This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Here's today's quote. Quote, I feel that this award was not made to me as a man, but to my work. A life's work in the agony and sweat of the human spirit. Not for glory, and least of all for profit, but to create out of the materials of the human spirit something which did not exist before. So this award is only mine in trust. It will not be difficult to find a dedication for the money part of it, commensurate with the purpose and significance of its origin. But I would like to do the same with the acclaim, too. By using this moment as a pinnacle from which I might be listened to by the young men and women already dedicated to the same anguish and travail, among whom is already that one who will someday stand here where I am standing. End quote. Now those are the words of author, Pulitzer Prize winner, and Nobel laureate William Faulkner. William Faulkner was born September 25, 1897, in New Albany, Mississippi, and he died July 6, 1962, in Bihalia, Mississippi, at age 64. He served in World War I in the Royal Canadian Air Force after being rejected by the United States Army for being too short. Now, admittedly, I have not read Faulkner's work in detail, but I have read a few excerpts from a few books of his for this episode, and I can see why he was awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature in 1949, which is something we'll come back to in a moment. And Faulkner's writing is very interesting. He has some odd sentence structure, He's known for streams of consciousness from his characters, and he also utilizes something which we've seen before in some poems, which is strange or missing punctuation. Not as common in prose as it is in poetry, but it's there nonetheless. And I ask myself, when I see this and I read this, it is a little bit difficult, admittedly, to get a handle on, but I ask myself, why is this good writing? Why is this, why is it compelling? Because it is. It sounds terrible. If you read it aloud, these books sound awful. Or at least the excerpts that I did. I shouldn't, I shouldn't paint with too broad a brush here. But if you think on it, it's more of how we actually think and speak. We are not deliberate creatures in everything that we say and everything that we write. Podcasts are an exception because they're carefully curated by most people. I do an okay job. Some people do much, much better. At crafting exactly what they plan to say, in script form, or just going off the cuff eloquently enough that they don't need notes. But the average person on the average day in the average conversation is not as clinical in the way that they approach what they're saying. So Faulkner's characters are compelling and his writing is compelling, at least in part because it resonates with us as humans. It helps to connect us to his characters, and it makes them very, very real and highly relatable. Many books, as I've already mentioned, are very clinical in ways that people don't actually talk. In average conversation, there are normally a ton of filler words. I was just having a conversation the other day with a good friend of mine, and we were talking about how difficult it is in conversation to not say like. And I'm not talking about when you say, I was like mad or I was like super upset. We're not talking about that kind of like. More in terms of, 
talking about a conversation that was had in the past, instead of saying, well, I said, you say, well, I was like, that's not true. And he was like, yeah, that absolutely is true. And that's how we relate stories, or at least that's how I do. And I'm as guilty of this as anyone. If you talk to me in normal conversation and we get going at a, at a steady clip, I'll say things like that. I don't say them here on the podcast because I'm much more focused on what I'm saying here. But Faulkner chose to write his character's speech in the same way that we, the average person, speak in conversation. So it's interesting. Faulkner's books are just simply not like the others in that way. And I guess, in terms of the Nobel Prize for Literature, that's one of the ways that you stand out from the crowd. And as I mentioned earlier, he was awarded the Nobel Prize in 1949. He received it in 1950 at the ceremony. And some of you listeners may have been alive back then. Many of you were not. But 1950 is post-World War II. The world is a little bit of a mess, right? Europe is recovering from the worst war in recent history. The U.S. has nuclear weapons, though not as many as people at the time were led to believe. And the USSR had just tested its first nuclear bomb in August of 1949. The Doomsday Clock, which shows the relative risk of nuclear war and destruction, began its recording in 1947. So it's been a couple of years since that started. The Doomsday Clock, for those that are not familiar, is a representative clock of how close a committee of personnel deems the world to be to nuclear destruction. And it was originally designed with 15 minutes, right? Midnight is nuclear destruction, or on the, you know, nuclear destruction has happened. And it was designed to basically be annotated annually from 11.45 to midnight. The closer to midnight, the closer the world was to the brink of disaster. And in 1947, it showed seven minutes to midnight. Which sounds close, right? It's more than halfway to nuclear destruction. This is at a time where nuclear weapons were not well understood, they were not well regulated, they were, there were no arms treaties, there were none of the things that we have in place today. In 2023, by comparison, it shows 90 seconds. That's a minute and a half to midnight. And that's changed since even last year, when it showed just 10 seconds more, but 1 minute and 40 seconds to midnight. And we largely have Russia to blame for this, for their invasion of the Ukraine and the destabilization of... Ukrainian nuclear power plants and all of the things that go along with war and, and the like. So that's where we stand now. And if you're not unsettled by that, you probably should be. It's a lot unsettling in a lot of ways. It's actually the closest the world has ever been to midnight on the doomsday clock. Closer than any time we were during the entire Cold War. Closer than we were during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Now, I was curious, of course, as well, when were we the farthest from midnight? Well, interestingly enough, in 1991, after the end of the Cold War, after the Berlin Wall came down, the clock was set to 17 minutes to midnight. And I know I just said that it was originally set for 15 minutes, but it was set at 17 minutes in 1991, and it has crept progressively ever closer since then. And which makes a certain amount of sense. There are more nuclear-armed nations now than there were in 1947. Not all of those are stable countries. Not all of those have stable, democratically elected leadership, or even leadership that is actually elected. But yet they have control of nuclear weapons. Those arsenals are aging. Those arsenals are not necessarily well-maintained, because maintaining nuclear stockpiles is expensive, as we all know. 
But in 1949, 1950, when the speech was given, it was a very tense time. It was new to everybody. Nuclear weapons had only been around in the public eye for about five years. And Faulkner takes his place on the stage in 1950 while all of this is going on, and he delivers today's quote. And today's quote is the intro. By the way, it's the first paragraph of a relatively short acceptance speech. And after this, he goes on to talk about how young authors of his day can scarcely think of anything but their own annihilation. And he refers to that in his speech as the basest thing. Fear is the basest thing that we do as humans. And he calls for more of an internal heart-focused, to quote, love and honor and pity and pride and compassion and sacrifice should take center stage over fear. He knows people are afraid, but calls on them to forget that forever and instead focus on the characters, the humans in their stories. So he's talking specifically to authors here. But of course, that is not the purpose of exploring today's quote. It's only for context. So let me read it to you one more time, and then we'll take a deeper look at it. He says, quote, I feel that this award was not made to me as a man, but to my work, a life's work in the agony and sweat of the human spirit, not for glory and least of all for profit, but to create out of the materials of the human spirit something which did not exist before. So this award is only mine in trust. It will not be difficult to find a dedication for the money part of it, commensurate with the purpose and significance of its origin. But I would like to do the same with the acclaim, too. By using this moment as a pinnacle from which I might be listened to by the young men and women already dedicated to the same anguish and travail, among whom is already that one who will someday stand here where I am standing. End quote. And if you thought that was particularly eloquent, of course, I only wish I could hope to one day be as eloquent as Faulkner was. The way people write and craft speeches is something of a, of a mystery to me, and I am always in search of how exactly they do it and render such fantastic prose. This is no exception. He says, to create out of the materials of the human spirit something which did not exist before. I mean, this is, at the end of the day, every artist, and authors are artists too, every artist's dream, right? My dream as a host to you is to create something, say, find a niche, right? In this case, quotations, and speak to those who are as interested in it as I am, and to grow others to have increased interest in it as well. To create something out of my human spirit, which did not exist before. It sounds grandiose, but that's at least in part the way that I look at this. He says, it will not be difficult to find a dedication for the money part of it. Now, Faulkner had neither the need for the prize money, nor the desire for it. The prize money, in case you were curious, was just a touch over $19,000 as a Nobel recipient which is about $215,000 today. Today's awards right smack around a million, million, 1.1 million for being awarded a Nobel Prize. I suspect that for most of them, it's not about the money. He actually used his prize money to help start a fund to help aspiring writers, which eventually grew into the William Faulkner Foundation, which sadly no longer exists and instead supports the University of Virginia Library, which is a whole nother story. But lastly, and probably most interesting to me, it says, but I would like to do the same with the acclaim too. By using this moment as a pinnacle from which I might be listened to by the young men and women already dedicated to the same anguish and travail, among whom is already that one who will someday stand here where I am standing. So Faulkner is speaking directly to young authors and writers of his time. 
He saw the moment that he was in, with a microphone before him, on arguably the biggest literary stage that exists, there may be some debate about that, but certainly a big literary stage, as a chance to encourage other writers. And I think that's magnificent. I think that is selflessness and leadership manifest in a human being. Because there you are. The Nobel Prize is awarded to people with lifelong accomplishments. It takes decades, most of the time, to earn a Nobel, even consideration, never mind the award itself. So there you are, on the probably the biggest stage of your life. Certainly, top three, top five but almost certainly one of the largest stages you'll ever be on. Being awarded for a lifetime of dedication to your craft, be that chemistry, be that literature, be that physics, doesn't matter. And he takes that moment, his roughly three minutes, if I've read his speech enough times, it's, it's about three minutes in duration. He takes part of that three minutes to speak directly to people who follow behind him and encourage them. Not to fear, but instead to seize and focus on their characters and on the development of their stories. He doesn't even, in the speech, thank anyone. He doesn't say thank you to his wife. He doesn't say thank you to the university for whom he works. He doesn't say thank you to his publisher or editors or anyone. There's no backpatting. There's no false modesty. It's pure. His aspiration was to elevate others, which is something that we should aspire to do as well as we achieve success, to bring others along with us. If you refer back to the episode that I did about a quote by Michelle Obama, she talks about exactly this. Talks about, as she achieved successes in life, she sought to provide opportunities for others to succeed as well. So in that way, Faulkner and Michelle Obama have that not about me, but about others mentality about them. And that's admirable. And that is my takeaway today. That it's fine to be proud, there's nothing wrong with that. After decades of devotion, there's nothing wrong with taking a moment to be proud of what you've accomplished. It's fine to accept a claim that you've earned. And it's fine to be gracious with that. That's all good. But it is best to be deferential and to elevate others to succeed and assume the same position that you have in life. That is my takeaway today. And I hope it is for you too. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe, this is Quotations, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app, or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod, or join the conversation on Facebook at quotationspod. I look forward to hearing from you, welcome your feedback, and thanks as always for listening.